0: God of my praise, the God of my salvation, the Holy God, living God, God of God, Eloi, the God who sees. I don't have to worry about God trying to see me from afar. Why? Because God who sees has moved into my neighborhood. He has put on flesh. The God who will provide Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals my healing, isn't coming from afar, my healing isn't coming from someone who hasn't experienced what I've gone through. Sometimes we go to doctors and the doctors try to tell you, well, I know what you're going through, well, you need to do this. The doctor's never been through what you've been through. If the doctor's never felt your pain, then the doctor's only giving you an academic discussion of what you're going through. And he can only help and heal to some point. But because God has put on flesh, because Hebrew says now he can fellow heal with you. Now, when I look at Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, He knows exactly what
1: I'm feeling and so he can heal me. Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for October 6th, 2019. Today, Pastor Olu brings us a message called In Order to Believe, the God-Man is Here. In today's study of God's word with our series, In Order to Believe, we see how the creator God became man and took up residence in the middle of his creation. With the supreme God in human flesh living in our darkness, he can now feel our pain, making him the perfect comforter. He experiences our poverty, making him the great provider. And he feels our weakness, making him the strong tower. So grab your Bible and follow along with us as we explore God's word here on Followers of the Way.
0: We are in the book of John, going through John. And, and I know some of you are thinking, at this pace, we'll never finish this book. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry what happened this is kind of the prologue so john chapter 1 starting verse 1 all the way to about 18 is like the prologue he's setting the foundation he's setting the basis before he gets into the narrative of what went on but as you remember the book is written john was written so that we might what believe in order to believe that's why this was written and so john has taken some time to do this and so we've looked at salvation message we're talking about evangelizing we're talking about how do we to prepare the world for Christ. We have to understand the gospel message, and that's what John starts off with. And we talked about starting with God, existing, starting with creation, God is creator. Going, when God created, he created things in order. He said and it was good. And so there was a good order that God established in his creation. We also call that God's way, order, established. And then the Bible tells us that sin entered the world, and sin is the opposite of God's way, which is my way. That brings, instead of order, disorder, distortion of what was good. And so God had a way. Man came along and said, we're going to do it our own way. That instilled rebellion against God, and that is what sin is. And the Bible says that rebellion against God leads to death. Paul reminded us that as sin entered the world and death by sin, therefore all men have sinned. Or, or death comes to all men because all have sinned. John chapter 3 tells us we are condemned because Jesus said that we are condemned because of our evil acts. We love the darkness and our deeds are evil. And so we have this bad news that the gospel starts off with, but then it ends with the good news. The good news was into the light. And we talked about that last week. The light has come. That was the good news. And the Bible says, John says here that we must believe and receive. So belief alone isn't enough. You have to receive, and we looked at that word in Greek was to got. It says, so as many has got him. To many, so we have to actually got God or have to get God, and you have to receive him. That's not just intellectually agreeing with some facts. That's what we looked at. A lot of people can agree with some facts. Oh, yeah, Jesus exists. Oh, yeah, Jesus is a good man. That's great. But it is about welcoming and submitting to Christ. That's what the receive portion is. And so we have to believe, agree with those intellectual facts, but we also have to receive, mean to welcome him into our life and submit. That means I defer to his judgment, I defer to his decision, I defer to God's call on the matter. I don't make my own calls anymore. And when we do that, John said in verse 12, that he has given us the right, the power, the ability, the authority, authority to be adopted into God's family. We become permanent heirs with the Father as the children of God. And so we go from children of wrath, Paul says in Ephesians, we call, go from children of disobedience, we go from children of the devil to children of God. And Paul says in Ephesians that he has snatched us out of the darkness. That is the gospel message or the first parts of the gospel message. The last part we haven't got to yet, the last part of the gospel message is a consummation of everything. God is going to now not only save us, but he's going to save the world. Remove all sin, remove all pain, remove all suffering. We will see him as he is face to face. And so now we are in John chapter one, verse 14. After all that, John keeps writing. He says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observe his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side. He, the word, has revealed him. In verse 18. What John says here is that we, I think we've had several messages on this, so I'm going to try not to repeat anything we've done before. But it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The idea is that God himself, John spent a whole lot of time explaining us who the word was. The Bible says that the God became flesh. That is a fundamental truth, by the way, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to Christianity. Turn me to 1 John 4. 1 John 4, John is writing, by the way, it's the same guy, the same guy who wrote St. John is the same guy who wrote the epistles of John. So in 1 John chapter 4, John is talking about false teachers and be careful of different spirits and and understand truth versus error because there's some error in the world and people are going to try to come say some things against Christianity, against Christ. And so in 1 John chapter 4, verse 3, John says this, but every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming. Even now is already in the word. Let's go above. I missed the verse. It was verse two. Let's go to verse four, one. Might as well. First John four one. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So John says, listen, be on your guard. Verse two. This is how you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, even now is already in the world. So John says that any spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has not come in the flesh is not from God. That's important. Because what we're saying, what the Bible teaches is that God himself, the creator of the universe, came down to his universe. And he entered his universe, and he became a man. He was 100% God and 100% man. That Christianity is the only teaching that teaches that. People say, well, Muslims and Christianity got the same. They both believe God. just call them something different. No, it's totally different. In the Muslim religion, Allah or God is far off. Far away, Allah doesn't have a relationship with His creation. Allah doesn't talk. Allah doesn't come and rub shoulders. Allah is too high and mighty; would would never do that. But the Bible, the God of the Bible, says that Jehovah God Himself came to earth and took on flesh, this filthy, pliable substance. Everybody, touch your arm real quick. This this is this is what the we Word He used. Now, John could have said the Word became man didn't. He said the, the word became human. He didn't. I think he specifically used that word flesh to let you know what exactly was happening, that God himself took on this flesh. You know, when you think about it, humanity was divinely designed to be image bearers of God. Remember Genesis? God created us. He said, let us create the man in our image. And so we were designed Humanity, we were designed to be image bearers. We were designed to represent God here on earth, but we failed miserably. We chose to rebel against God. We rebelled against our divine design, and we rebelled against the divine designer. And so Christ came, Jesus came, the word came, God came to show us how it was supposed to be done. They messed up, they rebelled. I'm gonna go and show him. So God, the Word came and showed us how He done, how it's supposed to be done. And the result of that is the Scripture says, and the Word became flesh. Theologians use a fancy, smancy word uh, if you want to impress your friends. It's called the hypostatic union. I think Badia preached on that. The hypostatic union. That idea is God's divine nature, 100% God, with all the attributes of what God has. All the attributes of who God is combine, plus sign, with human nature. And so you don't have a God, you don't have a man, you have what the scripture teaches us as the God-man. 100% God and 100% man. God, the word, Jesus Christ, because of that, there's some results of that. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Because Christ, the word, the creator, took on flesh, He did that for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. I'll start at 14. Hebrews is the New Testament. It's right after Philemon, which is after Titus, which is after 2 Timothy, which is after 1 Timothy, which is after 2 Thessalonians, which is after 1 Thessalonians. You got it? Okay. Just wanna make sure you find it. (laughs) But she found it. <laughs> Hebrews chapter four. I started fourteen. Therefore, since we have a great high priest talking about Jesus Christ, talking about the Word, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Verse fifteen. For you do not have a high priest talking about Jesus who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way we are, as we are, yet without sin. The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus Christ, the word who came from the heaven because he's God, because he has come from heaven and because he took on his flesh, he has an intimate connection with our sufferings. He said we don't have a God who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but he can. That word there means that we have a a Jesus Christ because he is God and because he is man, he can sympathize with us. That word in the Greek means fellow feeling, feeling, F-E-E-L-I-N-G. Fellow means together. Feeling. So, what the writer was saying was that Jesus Christ, who is 100% God, because he came on and took on his flesh, now he can fellow feel with us. That means what we feel, he also feels. Again, that's what separates us from any other teaching, any other way of life, because God doesn't feel what you feel. He's God. That's ridiculous. He has no clue what you feel because you're human. Writer of Scripture says that Jesus Christ, who is God, because he took on this flesh, the word became flesh. Now he can fellow feel with our sufferings. And because of that, the word says that he now is able to represent us before the throne of God. So he can go to God and say, listen, God, Olu is feeling. X, Y, Z right now, and I know how that feels and that don't feel good. And so I'm going to come before you, Father, and ask that you give Olu some peace ask that you give Olu some comfort because I know what Olu's going through. You ever know what somebody's going through? Have you ever been, we've, sometimes we know people who are going through some hard times and we can feel for them like, oh man, I feel bad for them because I wouldn't want that to happen to me. It hasn't happened to you. But you can feel bad for them. You know, you can really have some true bad feeling like, oh man, I really wish they didn't go through that. Ah, let's pray for them. But when somebody goes through something that you've been through, you know exactly how that feels. And then you see someone else going through it. What's that? That's the fellow feeling. Now I know exactly how they feel. I know exactly what they're thinking. I know exactly what they're going through. And that brings you closer and it allows you now to know exactly what to ask God for because you know exactly what you went through. Because the word God took on flesh, he can fellow feel with us. And that goes through everything. and our past pains... Maybe something you've gone through in your life in the past has been very difficult, very hard. You might still be living with some remnants of it. But because the word became flesh, he can fellow feel with you. And so those past pains, and those past issues that you may have gone through, Christ feels that with you. He cares about you and he wants to bring you comfort for your past. Anything you may be going through right now. Any hard times, hardship, pain, suffering, little things, big things that you're going through right now, we have a God. We have a creator God. We have an all-powerful, almighty, omnipotent God, the Word, who has taken on flesh. And because of that, he can fellow feel with what you're going on right now. And we don't have to think of be alone. Remember what Scripture says? God will never leave you nor forsake you. Why? Because he fellow feels with you. Why? Because he took on flesh. And he knows exactly what you're going through, no matter what it is and that's also comfort for future. We don't know what tomorrow may bring, next week, next month, next year, 10 years from now. But whatever it brings, we can take comfort in the fact if we are children of God, if we have believed and received, we can take comfort in the fact that who we have placed our faith into, Jesus Christ, God, the word, whatever is about to happen, he has fellow, he can fellow feel with us and we can take comfort in that that's where our comfort comes from because of the fact that the word became flesh and dwelt among us back to John chapter 1 verse 14 the word became flesh and dwelt among us now we've talked about that several times that word that dwelt is a word that means pitched his tent or set up shop and so the idea is of the tabernacle remember the old testament the children of Israel had left Egypt they were in the middle of the wilderness and matter of fact, let's turn there to Exodus chapter 25. So we got the children of Israel. They had just left Egypt. They went through the Red Sea. They went through some suffering, some different things. Chapter 25, verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites to make an offering for me. You are to take an offering from everyone who is willing to give. This is the offering you are to receive from them, gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet yarn, fine linen, gold hair, ram skins dyed, and fine leather Acacia wood, oil for the night, spices and anointing of oil for the fragrant incense, the oints, along with the other gemstones, for the mountain, the ephod and the breast piece. Verse eight, they are to make a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. God dwells in the sanctuary and God said, put the sanctuary where you are so that I can dwell with you. The sanctuary or the tabernacle that God instructed them to build was a place where in the midst of wherever they were, they would travel, they would go through different places, they would get there. And once they got there, they would pitch their own individual tents so their families could live. And right in the middle of the camp, they would pitch the tabernacle. And they would unload the sticks and the fine linen in the tent and they pitch it. And then they put the basin there and the altar and the different things that God said. And they'd set it up in the middle of The camp that they were. So think about a million plus people. And right in the middle is this tent that was the tabernacle. God said, build for me a sanctuary so that I may dwell among you. And the Bible said that the presence of God came down from heaven and rested in the tabernacle. What do we know about the tabernacle? That it was mobile. So that wherever the people went, they brought the tabernacle with them. So if they were in the cold, the tabernacle was in the cold. If they were in the heat, the tabernacle was in the heat. No matter where they went, no matter what they encountered, the tabernacle was there in the midst of them. When you go back to John, John specifically used that word. The word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. So just like the word of God, just like God showed up in Moses' day and the presence and the glory of God came down in the tabernacles with them, John said that God himself, not in the tabernacle, not in just this cloud, not in this cloud of fire at night, not in this pillar of cloud in the daytime, but God himself took on flesh and came down and pitched his tent among us. When you think about the tabernacle, I read this. uh, Stephen Cole, he's a theologian. I'm going to read this for you. Every aspect of the tabernacle speaks of Christ. The bronze altar was for the sacrifice and the bronze laver for cleansing point to Christ. The tabernacle of showbread in the holy place speaks of Christ, the living bread. The golden lampstand points to Christ, the light who illuminates the things of God. The altar of incense reminds us of Christ making intercession for us. In the holies of holies, the ark of the covenant made of wood, covered with gold, pointed to, washes the two natures of God. Wood, man, gold, God. On top of the ark was a mercy seat where the blood of atonement was sprinkled. Inside were the tablets of the law pointing to Christ, the fulfillment of God's law. The jar of manna pointed to Christ as our sustenance. Aaron's rod that budded pointed to Jesus as the branch who was raised from the dead and gives new life to those who were dead in their sins. Jesus, our tabernacle, dwelt among us. The word dwelt among us is, I, I like the way they say it because I like the way the King James rolls off your tongue dwelt among us, but the word means in the midst of us, in the middle of us, middle of us, pretty much mean in our neighborhood. What it says is that Jesus Christ, God himself, put on flesh and moved into your neighborhood. Think about when people move into neighborhoods. When you're about to move to a different neighborhood, what are some of the things you do? You want to check the neighborhood out. You know, you drive through and see, hmm, what kind of people live here? Drive in the morning time. You drive at nighttime to see what kind of what kind of what goes on here around here at night. You do some research on the schools in the area because the schools in the area kind of tell you kind of what type of conditions are surrounded. You look at the people, you look at the schools, you look at the neighborhood, you look how far things. It's important. Why? Because you're about to move into the neighborhood and you know, when you're moving into the neighborhood, there's some things that goes on. There's an intimacy that you have in the neighborhood. There's a connection that you have in the neighborhood. The word. God himself put on flesh and moved in the middle of our neighborhood. Our neighborhood just happened to be darkness. John had said earlier, we were in darkness. And in the middle of the darkness entered a light. The word put on flesh and entered into darkness. The word put on flesh and entered into Olu's darkness. So where Olu was in that neighborhood, Christ came, the word came, God came and set up his house, set up his residence right in the middle of where I am. And because John used the word tabernacle, that gives me the idea that he's with me. He moves with me. So when I'm going through hard times, guess who's in my neighborhood? Guess who's right there in the middle with me? The almighty Elohim God. When I'm going through good times, guess who's right there with me? In the middle of my neighborhood, the almighty Elohim God. The word became flesh and dwelt in my neighborhood. Who was the word? It was Elohim Kadim, God of the beginning. Elohim Mispath, the God of justice. So what that means is that justice left heaven, put on flesh, and came to live in my neighborhood. The God of forgiveness, Elohim Selikah. We've been hearing a lot about forgiveness lately. Y'all, see, lately, y'all seen that clip of that boy who uh, gave uh, a hug to that girl who killed his brother? And everybody, going, everybody losing their mind. Everybody's losing their everlasting mind about this. Now, I do see some issues with the judge coming off the stand and hugging the murderer. And I do see issues with the bailiff rubbing the murderer's hair and, like, fixing her hair and giving her hugs at the end. That was kind of confusing. But the little boy said, listen, I'm going to free myself by forgiving you for murdering my brother. He went around and gave his lady a hug. People lost their mind. Christians lost their mind. Oh my goodness, God, I couldn't do. You don't do that. Blah 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 blah. Because we 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 look at forgiveness through our own eyes. Thankfully, God, the God of forgiveness, Elohim Selikot, has moved into our neighborhood, so I can have pure forgiveness with no buts attached to it. Forgiveness, but well, you can forgive, but I'll no 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 no. That's not what forgiveness is. God who is near, Elohim. Mikarav, the God of my strength, Elohim Mauzi. I like that because it sounds like Uzi at the end of it. God of my strength, Elohim Mauzi. So I pretty much got a Uzi. That's my strength. Who is Elohim? He has moved into our neighborhood. You spell my Uzi M A U Z I. In case you're looking for it, Elohim Mauzi. The God of my praise, the God of my salvation, the holy God, living God, God of God, El Roy, the God who sees. I don't have to worry about God trying to see me from afar. Why? Because God who sees has moved into my neighborhood. He has put on flesh. The God who will provide Yahweh Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. My healing isn't coming from afar. My healing isn't coming from someone who hasn't experienced what I've gone through. Sometimes we go to doctors. And the doctor's try to tell you, well, I know what you're going through. Well, you need to do this. If the doctor's never been through what you've been through, if the doctor's never felt your pain, then the doctor's only giving you an academic discussion of what you're going through. And he can only help and heal to some point. But because God has put on flesh, because Hebrew says now he can fellow feel with you. Now when I look at Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals He knows exactly what I'm feeling. And so he can heal me. The Lord of peace. I may have gone through suffering in the past. I may be going through suffering now. I may go through some suffering in the future, but I know that the God of peace has put on flesh and has moved in the midst of where I am. And so because of that, as a child of God, I have peace. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have observed his glory the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John said we have observed his glory. The glory of God is the manifestation of his attributes, is who he is. John says we have seen who God is because we have seen God in the form of the God, man, Savior, Jesus Christ. And he said because of that, the glory of the one and only Son, the Father, full of grace and truth, The word God, the creator, put on flesh and he came down in the mist, in the middle of my darkness, in the middle of where I am. And he put up his tent. He pitched his tent with us. With that, he brought all his attributes with him. And so I can experience joy. I can experience peace. I can experience comfort. Why? Because the God of comfort, the God of peace is in the mist with me. And John said he's come full of grace and truth. God had brought exactly what we needed. We needed grace. What is grace? Grace is God's goodness. Grace is God's love. Grace is God's compassion. Grace is God's unmerited, big word, favor. That's God's goodness when, that we don't deserve. God's love that we don't deserve. God's compassion that we don't deserve. We needed love. We needed mercy. We needed compassion. We needed grace. And so the God of those things, put on flesh and came in my neighborhood with grace and love, compassion. Grace is also God's power. It's that supernatural power in the midst of my darkness. And so when I'm going through things, when I need God's strength and energy, guess what? I have that. Why? Because the word put on flesh and he came full of grace and full of truth. Truth is the manifestation of reality. Truth is what is actually there? Truth is a revelation of hidden reality. When you go to a court, back to the courtroom, you stand for the judge, put your hand in the Bible and say, do you promise to tell the truth? Nothing but the truth. You say, I do. What are you saying? You're saying that I saw something or I know something that's hidden from everybody else. And so I've been pulled by a lawyer to sit the stand to tell you the reality that has previously been hidden. That's what truth is. The word came down and not only to bring grace and love and compassion, he also brought truth. He brought the way things really are. He allowed us to see the way things really are. It's like he sh- shed some light on the situation. And that's, I believe, why John connects those two. He says he was the, the life and the light in verse one, two, three and four. And then he said he brought the grace and the truth. And so the life is aligned with the grace because the life is what gives me compassion, what gives me love and the light reveals the truth. And so what John is saying, he is being the life and the light, and he brought with him the grace and the truth. He brought everything we need, and he wrapped that up, and he put on flesh with all that, and he came down, and he came in my darkness. He came into my world. He came into my neighborhood, and it says, but as many as receive him. We've got God in the midst of us, and all we're required to do is to got him. Receive him. I'm not just going to believe the intellectual facts. I'm also going to welcome him in and I'm going to submit. Why do I submit? Because it's it's God. (laughs) We're talking about Elohim. We're talking about El Shaddai. We're talking about Jehovah Jireh. That's what we're talking about right here. Who has entered into my world with grace and truth. The truth is telling us what life really is. And what is life? What John goes on to tell us in verse 18. First, John talks, he gives a quote from John the Baptist, verse 15. John testified concerning him and explained, this is the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. 16, indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. I like that, that grace upon grace, that grace upon grace, it has the idea, before I looked at it as kind of grace, on grace, on grace, on grace, on grace, on grace. That God stacked that grace on grace on grace on grace on grace on grace, and so I continue to get grace. But the idea, when you look at the word it said grace upon grace, that word upon has the idea of instead of. And so the idea is thinking about you on the beach and you, the waves are going. So you know how you're on the beach, you're sitting there and the waves go, the water come and goes back. Then what happens next? Another wave will come and go back. And then another wave will come and go back. Another wave will come and go back. It's the same ocean. It's the same water. It's the same ocean. But what's happening is you're getting a new fresh water every time. And it's a new one, and it's another 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 one, and another one, and another one, and it's another one, and it's another one, and it keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. The Bible says it's grace upon grace. God's love, God's compassion, God's power. It keeps coming, it keeps coming, it keeps coming, it keeps coming, grace on grace, on grace on grace, and another one, and another one, and another one. Another one. Why? Because he brought the fullness, unlimited grace for us, unlimited love, compassion, unlimited power. So we as Christians, you know, I I believe if we really believe this, we'd be looking at life a lot differently. When things approach happen in life and we break down and we pass out and we give up and woe is me. And we get so can't sleep at night and we're tossing a turn. Why? Because we forgot who's in our neighborhood. I'm in the neighborhood, I'm baking a cake, I need some sugar, I don't got none. I can just go next door. Hey, you got some sugar? Why? Because he's in the neighborhood. There's a Publix in my neighborhood. And so if I need some, I can run to the neighborhood and get it. I don't sit here and, oh my goodness, I ain't got no sugar. Oh no, I'm not going to make this cake. It, no, I go to my neighborhood. God Himself has come. He put on flesh and He came into my neighborhood and He pitched His tent and He said, just like I did in the Old Testament. Build me a sanctuary so that I may dwell with them. God wants to dwell. He wanted to be where I am. And so he put on flesh and he came down here and he brought the God who sees. He brought the God who heals. He brought the God Jehovah Jireh. got my banner. That means he fights for me. I don't have to fight for for, for this. I ain't got to fight for that. I ain't going to worry about what people say, what people doing. I ain't going to worry about that. Why? Because I got Elohim, the God who fights for me in my neighborhood, in this flesh, in my darkness. And he brought with him the fullness of grace and he brought with him the fullness of truth. And guess what? That grace is grace on grace on grace on grace on grace on grace. And so the meaning of life, John says, for the law was given through Moses and grace and truth came to Jesus Christ. No one has seen God, the one and only son who is himself God. And at the father's side, he has revealed him. The questions about life. Why is life? What am I here? What's my purpose? That's all revealed in understanding who God is. And it's not until we understand who God is. Can we fully say we understand what life is? We understand it only through the truth and the grace of Jesus Christ. God gave the law. The law did what it was supposed to do. But the law wasn't powerful in enough of itself to snatch us out of darkness. And so Moses came with the law that God gave to let us know what God required of us. But then Christ himself, the word came down to show us the grace and the truth to be able to snatch us out from darkness. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your grace. We thank you, God, that we have grace upon grace, that we have never ending grace, God. We thank you for the truth. So as I go through life and I'm confused or I'm stressed or I don't understand God, I can go to you, the word, almighty Elohim, God, who put on flesh may dwell with us. I pray, God, that as followers of you, God, that we will put our trust, we will got you, God, and put our trust in you. I pray, God, that as things happen in our lives, God, we will not turn to our own selves or turn to others, but turn to you who are right there with us, God. And I pray, God, that we will take this message to the world. You can receive peace. You can receive comfort because the God of comfort is here. We love you in jesus name i pray amen
1: thank you for listening to the followers of the way podcast if you like more information about followers of the way church visit our facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash f-o-t-w church again that's www.facebook.com forward slash f-o-t-w church we trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing god's word and how to apply it to our lives Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way.